Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. Joining me, as always, PFF's finest, Dwayne The Rock McFarland, to talk all things tight ends. Fourth part of our mini-series here. Quarterbacks Tuesday, running backs Wednesday, wide receivers Thursday, and now happy Friday. We got tight ends. It's a great day to be great, Dwayne. How are you? It's a great day to be great. This has been a great week to be great. Like, like this has been pretty nice, like getting through all of these different positions. Um, tight ends, I'm very interested to talk with you about today because I, and we've kind of hinted on this, like, man, the last several years I've been a huge proponent of tight end early, like go ahead, do it. Like this year, I think we could poke holes in all of them. Like not to say we won't ever take a tight end early, but man, like it's just, there's no, there's nobody sitting there that I'm like, wow, I absolutely have to have them at ADP. And I think it's going to be this enormous value. Maybe, maybe we'll change our minds. You know, we're still early. We're only in April, April 1st. This is not an April fool's like this is me actually just being honest right now. Um, but yeah, so ready to jump into it, man. Do you have an April Fool's like Twitter prank plan, Dwayne? I, I got nothing. I, I kind of think it's a dumb holiday to be honest. I, I don't. I don't like it. I, I thought. I thought you might do something because like you're you're funnier than me. Like you're just a, you're a, you're a funnier guy than I am. So I was kind of waiting for like the Ian one. Um, I saw David and Joku's. I've seen several. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. It's like I'm not. I'm not too big on the on the April Fool's thing. If you got something that's good, then go ahead and do it. I'm not here to tell anyone how to do yeah. the freaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, jokes or anything like that but i don't know Dwayne. i didn't have anything uh super great pop up i've been staring at spreadsheets all damn morning what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) sounds about right all right let's get right yeah jokes on you mcfarland (laughs) let's get right into the tight end discussion back atop his spot as the overall tight end one travis kelsey yes mark andrews managed to take away uh his five-year streak last year but after losing Tyreek Hill, it's just really tough to look at Kelsey and you know have the having the potential to potentially like lead the position by 30 plus targets. I just think even if Andrews in the year 2022 is a more talented receiver, Kelsey will probably have the overwhelming volume and let's face it, the better quarterback play to be the highest end tight end one. We both have Kelsey one, Andrews two, and Kyle Pitts three. They make up your top tier, Dwayne. But I think as we'll talk about with all three of them, as well as okay, we have the top five all the same. Kelsey and. Andrews Pitts, Darren Waller, and George Kittle. You're going to be happy with these guys on your fantasy team, but for the first time, we do have concerns, as you alluded to kind of in the intro uh, to this podcast, about really each of them. Kelsey is getting up there in age. He'll be 33 by the time week one rolls around and not having Tyreek Hill in the offense. Yeah, we'll take the extra volume. I do believe that volume outweighs, you know, the idea of a teammate drawing away coverage. But it's not like we were just dying for more volume from Kelsey in the first place. Honestly, losing Tyreek could be enough of a problem with Mahomes in that offense that even if Kelsey is still the overall tight end one, which we're betting he will be, he just might not be as dominant as we're used to seeing. Mark Andrews, yeah, it's going to be a situation where we got to see what, what he's going to do in a whole season with Lamar. I don't think, look, Lamar, I mean, I was watching some of that, like, Colts game when he was 31 of 36 from almost 400 yards like before regulation even ended like I'm not saying Lamar can't enable a fancy relevant receiver or two but let's face it Andrews was putting up some pretty big numbers with Huntley and Josh Johnson under center down the stretch we gotta see what it's gonna be like with the full season from Lamar Kyle Pitts and Marcus Mariota Darren Waller in an offense now with Devontae Adams as the number one George Kittle switching to Trey Lance and having to deal with Debo and Ayuk maybe taking over you know as the top two targets in the passing game all great players, Dwayne. I think people will be hard-pressed to put anyone else inside the top five. But, yeah, I'm not going to be reaching on these guys if, it's gonna, if that's going to be what it takes to get them in fantasy drafts with most shapes and sizes. 
Yeah, and I mean, with Kelsey, like we are just starting to see, you know, and I think we mentioned this the other day, that you're just, he's starting to drift off a little bit. Like, could he completely bounce back? Yeah, but I mean, he's 33 years old, so yards per route run were 1.84 last year. That was his lowest since 2015, which was his second season in the NFL. Uh, Targets per route run, 21%. That was his lowest number since his second season in the NFL in 2015 as well. And then his 84.9 PFF receiving grade was also his lowest since that year. So I could have made that sentence a lot shorter and said these three three things are all the lowest since 2015. Um, So, I mean, look, he's getting older. We've talked about tight ends. They can um, continue to be productive into their latter years. Um, based on like the type of defenses they're facing, a lot of it's about zone and different things like that. But at the end of the day, like you're still, you're still as your body ages, like you're going to give something up. And so he could still be productive. But I think um, even with the elite target share, I have some concerns. Like, does the efficiency, you know, continue that we've seen? And that, and that's really, you know, just enough of a doubt to kind of make me think, wow, do I really want to spend a even like in tight end premium leagues? Do I want to spend a first on Kelsey last year? I was all in on it. I went ahead and did it again the year before I had done it. And honestly, like it was nice. Like it, it helped me a lot, <laughs> you know, in those leagues where I had Kelsey, I want to say I drafted Kelsey in five first rounds last year and 21 on 21 teams that I did in the FFPC, which is all tied in premium and all five of those teams made the playoffs. So like the, the benefit is real. I am just getting a little bit concerned about, you know, the drop, you know, in production. We've seen tight ends, far more 30-plus-year-old tight ends relative to running backs and wide receivers continue to supply some top 12 fantasy goodness. With that said, there has started to be a little bit of a drop-off around that age 33 season. Yeah, some guys are still putting on, uh, you know, uh, even after the age 35. You know, Tony Gonzalez was uh, quite uh, one of his kind. Maybe not one of his kind. Kelsey's been putting up similarly bonkers numbers. Either way, Tony Gonzalez won hell of a career. Shouldn't necessarily assume that Kelsey or anyone else is going to be quite as prolific as they enter those later stages. With these other ones, Dwayne, like, because Kelsey, yeah, I don't want take him as high as we normally would either i think it's the same case with everyone else mark andrews we no longer have that you know massive value opportunity because he wasn't even going in the top three uh tight ends last year that was just kelsey waller and kittle um and then with kyle pitts i don't know what's gonna happen with Mariota, and they seem destined to add another wide receiver or maybe Auden tate leads the team in targets that's fine with me probably not fine with everyone else uh, in atlanta or fantasy land darren waller behind Devonte, kittle behind these other guys if you were in the first, we'll say, five rounds of a draft, going to go after one of these guys, who would you most like to relative to kind of where you're seeing the ADP right now? Um, honestly, I'm just going to go with the no. best ADP. Yeah, okay. um, so I'm going to go with Kittle and Waller most yeah. likely. But, I mean, I'm going to want some exposure to Pitts. So um, if you look at, um, you know, based on data we get from Fantasy Mojo, so you guys can check him out at fantasymojo.com. He covers all of the FFPC stuff does a nice job of actually breaking these drafts out where you can just look at the last seven days. So like if big news breaks, you don't just have a bunch of old data like weighing your stuff down. But anyway, looking at, at his stuff. And so again, FFPC is tight end premium, but it does have Kittle going off the board as the fifth tight end. You get him in the third round. Obviously, he'll be later in non-premium tight end type formats. And he's right there with Waller. So Waller's at 3-1, Kittle's at 3-3. So I would be in on either one of those pits. Man, 2-6 right now on Pitts with Mariota as the court. And I love Pitts like as a talent, but Jesus, that's just 
that's a lot. And Anders, to your point, is a 2-1. We're no longer getting the discount. Mark Anders was my, my most drafted tight end last year in this format. So he came through huge for me, but I was getting him in the fourth and fifth round. Now you got to pay an early two to get him in this format. So I just, it's tough, man. And Kelsey's a 1-7, so I think I would just lean in, honestly. If I had to take, you know, if you're like, Dwayne, Girl Scouts coming to the door, you have to take <laughs> one of these players. It's probably going to be Waller or Kittle just because of the discount. And most likely, I'd just rather wait. I, I, I would rather, you know, dip down to the next tier, um, at least where I'm sitting today. Next tier is where things get really interesting. We have the same four tight ends in spots six through nine, but in slightly different orders. I am going as my tight end six, Rob Gronkowski, followed by Dalton Schultz, TJ Hawkinson, and Dallas Goddard. You are given the lead to Hawkinson and Goddard and then flowing with Schultz and Gronk. Dwayne, for me, it's as simple as I want the Cowboys and Buccaneers guys in my offense, even if that means maybe getting the number three option as opposed to the number two. But even that's not a given, man. I mean, Hawkinson could work. Work as the number three behind Amonra and Swift. Hell, maybe even Charker, another wide receiver still to be named. Goddard, I mean, the number two, maybe even the number one, but God, inside that run first offense uh, could be problematic in the Eagles or another squad with those three first round picks would make an awful lot of sense if they add another wide receiver to the group. Why do we want to mess around with the Lions and Eagles where we can go get the Cowboys and Buccaneers? Well, I just like the talent for Hawkinson better. <laughs> you know, I mean, still top eight pick. Um, you know, his receiving grades have been really good. His targets per route run have been strong. Yards per route run for a tight end have been nice. So, I mean, I, I just still am going to lean in, you know, to the talent. I, I totally get where you're going. Um, my guess is Hawkinson will be the number two on his team. You know, if I've got to put down today a pecking order, I think it's a Monroe St. Brown one. I think it's TJ Hawkinson two. I think you got a bunch of other guys behind that. You know, if you want to look at Dalton Schultz, I think you could argue some of the same things. Like, I think he's going to be behind CeeDee Lamb. There's a chance he ends up behind Gallup. Um, so, I, I agree, a better offense. But with Schultz, man, I, I, I'm a little more leery, um, you know, with Schultz just, you know, as a player. I like him, but I still think that Hawkinson is the better player overall. But, but again, like, I have him in the same tier, you know, just like you do. Um, so, I'm just slightly leaning to, to Hawkinson, you know, from a talent perspective. With Schultz, we did talk about last year like how different it was for him when it was having one of the wide receivers out, which they're out. Amari Cooper is not coming back to Dallas. Like, breaking news, everyone, not an April Fool's joke. So I do think that he is a little more ingrained there. But from a pure talent perspective, I do think he's last on that list. The Rob Gronkowski thing is uh, what's pretty interesting to me, man, because he's coming back. Come on. Gronk is going yeah. to come back and play for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We heard him joking about it in the barbershop and everything. Right now, he's still being ignored on best ball, and that will change, but I still don't know if it's going to change enough as it should. Last year, only four tight ends averaged at least 14 expected fantasy points per game. Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Rob Gronkowski. Big gap, Kittle is the only guy above 12. Even realized fantasy points per game. Andrews, number one, at 17 and a half. Kelsey, number two, at 16.6. Kittle and Gronk were tied. Then another big gap Schultz and Waller Gronk was a top tier tight end whenever he was healthy enough to be on the field last year we could talk about him potentially seeing a target bump without Antonio Brown in the picture how can we not put Rob Gronkowski in as a top six seven tight end Dwayne this is where I am kind of mad at you man I might be sending more than one girl scout uh to go change that come on man I don't think you get I don't I don't know, man. Like for me, I'm. It's it's basically he just hasn't signed yet. So if I'm gonna have all these guys in the same tier, I'm just gonna put the guy that hasn't signed at the bottom. Like once, once he, he signs, signs, you're moving him up. 
Yeah, once he signs, okay. I'll move him up. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if I'll put him above Hawkinson. Probably somewhere right around there. Again, this is why I do tiers. Like, you know, I think you can make an argument for any one of these players. Gronk, the thing against him, obviously is the age component, you know, but at the same time, like, he continues to produce. He's also got a really good ADP. Now, it has started to move up, again, per Fantasy Mojo, just looking at, like, the last 15 to 20 drafts. Um, you had been able to get Gronk essentially for free back before March 6th. Then you had the Gronk barbershop incident. I'm guessing that somewhere, since so somewhere around like March 20th on this, on, uh, you know, the calendar, I don't remember exactly where it was at, but that's where we saw a bump up. And now in these FFPC drafts, he's going between round seven and round 11. That's still like, that's still a really good value for Gronk in that format. So I definitely like getting access to him at his current price with ADP. Like, if you're drafting this weekend, you're like, I'm going to have some fun, going to draft some best ball, whether it's on FFPC, whether it's on underdog. Like, just take Gronk. Like, you should be taking him. Like, he's one of the players that definitely should be in your queue. In your queue. I'm sure, Ian, next week when we kind of kick off this uh, our best ball series, we start doing the live draft streams. Like, Gronk's going to be on some teams. Just 144 days older than Travis Kelsey. And yeah, he is getting up there, but we actually did see a nice little return to form last year, particularly uh, before kind of that injury happened. I mean, God, the first couple weeks of last season looked like Gronk was going to mess around and score like two touchdowns every single game for the rest of the time. On the year, though, 1.88 yards per route run. Nice little bump over the 1.5 mark we saw in 2020, even higher than the 1.68 mark we saw before he took a year off in the first place. No, this was not the Gronk that you could argue was like a true number one receiver, regardless of position during the better part of the 2010s uh, but it really was good to see him back there you know looking like Gronk again I mean hell he forced 16 missed tackles last season the previous two seasons combined he only had 12 so really was great to see Gronk you know getting back um, being that kind of maybe goat at the position with all due respect to Gonzalez and a bunch of other guys I think it's tough to have that discussion without putting Gronk's name in it that is the first top nine tight ends again Kelsey Andrews Pitts Waller Kittle Dwayne and I are in agreement after that you know I'm gonna speak for both of us and put Gronk there then TJ Hawkinson Dallas Goddard and Dalton Schultz but that kind of is your consensus top nine tier this is where all hell can break loose. There's honestly like 12 or 13 tight ends after this point that, you know, if someone wanted to come in and really put their reputation on the line, I I probably couldn't call them an idiot, Dwayne. I might disagree with them, but I wouldn't be sending the Girl Scout, wouldn't be calling you four eyes, <laughs> which, you know, I, am, I, I do apologize about. I it was getting heated here in the wide receiver section yesterday. Anyway, we do have Albert O., you have him uh, tight end 10. I have him tight end 11. He does seem to be capturing the imagination of the fantasy community in the offseason. We're getting the head coach saying they want to use him as a receiver. And hell, man, Russell Wilson's in Denver. All we've ever seen from Albert O has been him making the most out of his opportunities. Should have more than ever at Noah Fant out of the picture. So far, Dwayne, the Broncos haven't really added anyone other than, I think, Eric Tomlinson to their tight end room, who is as much of a block first tight end as you could ask for. Assuming... That, no one like Trey McBride or, you know, a day two tight end, you know, uh, Jeremy Ruckert or someone like that makes their way to Denver. Maybe even if they do do that, we are high in treating Albert, <laughs> we are high. We are treating Albert O as a top Speak 10, yourself, top 11 <laughs> tight end from day one. That's what he should be. I don't think he's even close to being ranked out. Oh my God, he doesn't even have a position rank, an underdog. That is insane. Where is he at with uh, Fantasy Mojo? Because I don't think it's going to be that long that we have this opportunity to buy Albert O as cheap as he is. 
Yeah, he's already up to tight end 13 over there, one Jeez. spot ahead of Gronk. So he's going 9.5. Um, again, that's tight end premium. But he jumped up. Like, he's similar. Um, March 6th, like he just really shot up the board. Obviously, that coincides with Russell Wilson landing on the team. So every, every, all of their ADPs, you know, are a hockey stick, you know, up and you know to the right. So it's a situation where all of them got a got a big jump. But when you look at Alberto, like just the biggest thing with him, you know, you, it's just the kind of profile you want to buy into. Like again, you're looking at some of these players that didn't really get to play a full time role. So what do we look at? We look at targets per route run. We look at yards per route run. That really helps us te- helps us get an idea of well, what could this potentially look like if all of a sudden now they were in this full time role? And when you look at Alberto, Albert O's targets per routes. Targets per route run, 24%, which is elite. It would have tied Mark Andrews last year. It would have been above Darren Waller last year. Um, Look at his yards per route run, 1.94, which is also elite. It would have been above Travis Kelsey, would have been a little bit below Andrews and Pitts, below Kittle, but above above Hawkinson, above Dalton Schultz, you know, right there with Gronk. So, I mean, he just has the underlying profile that screams – he could he look and I think it's possible. Like, what if what if Albert O is really the guy that takes the biggest step forward in this offense? I know people are gonna say, well, Russell Wilson never threw the ball over the middle of the field. Well, really, what what tight ends honestly has Russell Wilson really played with? And oh, by the way, he did throw it over the middle of the field to Tyler Lockett. Just happened to be like eight hundred yards downfield <laughs> on a dime, and he happened to you know by the time he lets go, like he's already passed the other hash. But just looking overall at this offense, like we we and we like Judy and we like Sutton, but they both have questions too. Like like Judy, it's tough because he was hurt all last seasons. It's tough. It's tough to really get our arms around him. Love what Judy did as a rookie, hitting that twenty percent target share mark. You know, as a really young guy. But we can't just like it, Judy's not foolproof at this point. Cortland Sutton, you know, has taken a step back. You know, we don't know if he's fully healed. We like him, but would we be surprised if all of a sudden it was Albert O that was the guy that gained the most in this offense? I think it's within the realm of possibility. And so when you know you get the quarterback upgrade and you know you have, you know, really the underlying metrics that we see with Albert O, uh, I think there's good reason for him to be moving up the draft boards. I mean, I'm kind of, I don't know how it's going to, how high is it going to go? I don't know. Like I I probably, not that I have a huge say, but I'll probably stop tweeting about it. (laughs) That's when you know things are getting uh, real intense at the McFarland household. We can't (laughs) even put it out there on the uh, old Twitter sphere. Jimmy Graham, after, uh, I think he left Green Bay and then went to Seattle. He, he's had a weird, you know, post-Saints kind of career hopping around. Jimmy Graham went ahead and had himself uh, some nice touchdown scoring success. But yeah, look at the list of these other tight ends that played with Seattle. No freaking yeah. shit that none of them put up, put up big numbers. Luke Double L Wilson, Will Disley, Jacob <laughs> Hollister, Nick Vanette, Gerald Everett for a year, old man Greg Olson. Cooper Helfit, Ed Dixon, Tony Mayaki, sorry, Colby Parkinson, Zach Miller, Tyron Swoops, Brandon Williams, Daryl Daniels, Chase Kaufman, Tyler Marbury, Rashawn Allen, Anthony McCoy. Those are all the tight ends to play at least one snap. I, Ian with even Seattle mentioned the guy that had, yeah, Ian even got in the guy that had one receiving snap. Yeah, there we go. Anthony McCoy for one. It's all on snap. you, Anthony McCoy. You know, it's all on you, man. So yeah, just like it seems like such a tired argument. That's a good. It's a good thing to look up. Like, it's fine to see if a quarterback has, you know, enabled fantasy relevant tight ends, but you shouldn't end your argument on that. When we look and see who the damn tight ends were, Albert O, we will be buying in 2022. But, Dwayne, what, why are we so high on Pat Fryermuth? Okay, I have him tight end 13. You have him tight end 11. But I feel like we're actually lower on him than consensus. I'm seeing him locked in as a top 10 guy. He's entering his second year. The last game we saw, 
He was okay. He's being used in the passing game, and that's great. Here we go with the Zach Gentry stuff. How much money is Zach Gentry sending you? Like, is this is it weekly? Is it monthly installments? Should like, we just what? ignore it? Let's just ignore it then, and uh, everyone can be. It's one game. We can though. all be shocked. All right, let's, then we'll all be shocked in week one when uh, the same thing freaking <laughs> happens, and everyone it's will be like, "How this happened?" Okay, it was the most important game of the season. If Pat Fryermuth is that good, then why is he not out there more, man? I'm gonna have to go look it up. He was probably blocking the whole time. Like, pull it up. Pull it up for the people. I'm gonna look at this right here with you. I okay, can't wait I, get I get it. I get it. Gentry, blocking. Gentry's the block for his tight end. But do we want to? What we're gonna bet Frymer's gonna make the most out of like a 60% snap rate? That's a top. 10 I'm gonna tight bet. End? Yeah, I would put I would put the over under for Frymer's on routes per drop back this season at 75%. Like that's where I would put it. I think he's gonna hit that. I think he's gonna be fine. The bigger question I have is like, can Mitchell Trubisky support three weapons? Because I think where we do agree is he's most likely the third option in the pecking order right now. We're probably going to say Deontay Johnson is the number one. Claypool's probably the number two. And then you got Fryer as the number three. But this there's, a, there's a chance that those last two could could flip. But I just don't know how much, you know, Trubisky can really support. So for me, Fryer like he's still, he's a young tight end. He's got some draft capital in him. You know, a 20% targets per route run in his rookie season. Like that's, it's it's good. And look, who do we have him above? Like, who are we, like, feeling like we just really need to move above him? I guess that's the next thing I look at. Like, Noah Fant, we know we've got big questions around. Dawson Knox is really just living off the exhaust fumes of the Bills offense, which is fine. It is what it is, but he's not, like, doing anything incredible himself. He's in a pass-heavy offense with a really good quarterback. So I feel like they should probably be there together, you know, or close to one another. Uh, I think you could already. I think you could argue Zach Ertz. Like you could probably argue, oh man, we should take Zach Ertz. But I think Fryermuth being the younger guy, I would still rather take the chance on maybe oh the my god. with Fryermuth. Oh my god! Zach Gentry ran more routes than Pat Fryermuth in that game. <laughs> That's your king. Uh, he, he, he must have got hurt. My king. Yeah. No, he was playing. And I looked at the freaking game log. He was out there for all four quarters. <laughs> Okay. So what, Dwayne? Well, what? Drop, keep... drop, drop him into, drop him to like twenty-four in your ranks. Maybe I will, because <laughs> if you're gonna keep subscribing to groupthink here and just ignoring what's staring us in the face, yeah, it's you a know trap. me, groupthink. You know me, groupthink. Pat yeah, Frymuth is the biggest trap at the tight end position in 2022. Throw it on a freaking quote graphic for all. Yeah, then, then quote me right after he ends as he is not the trap of let's 2022. Get a, let's get a second year tight end who's probably going to be the fourth target in his offense led by Mitch Trubisky. What could go wrong, Dwayne? That's I that's your think, camp. I, yeah, he's still a young player. I like him. Give me Dawson Knox over Pat Frymuth. Ugh, gross. Gross. I'm, so, I'm sorry I like guys that get to catch passes from Josh Allen. You know? Yeah. I'm sorry you like guys that probably are going to give their targets away. Like I think he's more likely to give his targets how, away than Fryermuth. Why? How can you not have Zach Ertz ahead of Pat Fryermuth? What reality am I living in? Yeah, I like Zach Ertz, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm going to go. I, I'm going to go with the younger player. Like I know where I know. We're not playing Ertz dynasty is. here. I know. I know. I'm playing to win. Oh my I'm playing God. to win this year, Harditz. <laughs> I did not think tight end would be the position to drive us apart, but here we are. Zach Ertz. Look, my, you got my dogs all pissed off, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You you and the trash man backing up into my you know driveway. Just like you, Ian. Jeez. No, no offense, tight end 13, dude. No. Gosh. Okay. Luckily, for most leagues, we're not taking a second tight end anyway, so we have our top 10 or 11, and you people don't even need to worry about 
uh, the rest of this group. But yeah, man, Dawson Knox, we both have him tight end 12. Not going to be, I think, as efficient as last season. OJ Howard is now in the picture. It wouldn't be shocking if OJ takes away, you know, a little bit of the full-time role. I know we're always looking for the 75% route number. Uh, I didn't think OJ looked as good last season as a seam stretcher coming off the Achilles. It could be expected. Maybe he will be healthier here moving forward. Um, yeah, I think it is just as simple as just, hey, Dwayne, are we really that confident Knox is going to make as much out of like 75 targets again? Because as we know, this offense should be flowing through the wide receivers first and foremost in the passing game. Yeah, and my big thing with Knox is he's just never really he's never gotten up there in the targets per route run or the yards per route run, you know. So, and you can still have fantasy success that way if you're in a super heavy pass offense. I would still rather put my chips on players that I think could really probably carve out their own role and make their own way, right, and potentially rise above that. And again, this isn't completely like just dousing Dawson Knox. I think he's still a good player, but I think. For folks that think he has a lot of upside, I would definitely challenge that notion because typically by this point in a tight end's career, like we've seen a bigger flash than what he's shown. Like he's fine because of the offense that he lives in. Let's go through what exactly happened with Zach Ertz upon getting to Arizona. First of all, I don't want to hear the two-game split snaps where he played with DeAndre Hopkins, one of which was the Bears game where Kyler dropped back to throw like 15 total times. So spare me that two I thought you liked one-game splits, but okay. Oh my gosh. All right. All right. All right. All right. Touche. I'll have to do a little more work into the Gentry Fryer Musa situation now. But with Ertz, I, he got Gentry to is living rent free in Ian's head already. Like, just. <laughs> Ian's waking up, sending me texts at like 11 30, you know, 11 30 in the morning, first thing out of bed at the early riser, Hardit's household. Zach Gentry. Like, I'm going to pop Dude, up. Look at this. Check out his floor. stats. Look. Look at this floor from Zach Ertz last year. Week seven, he gets to Arizona. Tight end six, 14, 29, 13, overall one. Drops down to 40. Last five weeks of the year, though, 12, 8, 5, 10, 11. The number one option in Arizona is DeAndre Hopkins. Number two might be Zach Ertz. I hope it's Rondale Moore, Dwayne. It could be Zach Ertz. At worst, he's number three. I feel like with Ertz, at worst, he's the number three pass game option. And when you kind of look at who he's going around, guys like Knox, Fryermuth, Albert O, Noah Fant, Mike Jasicki, all these guys, you could argue, are not going to be playing with as good as a quarterback. Okay, not Knox, not in Knox's case. Sorry, Josh Allen, not trying to offend you. But Ertz, he has Kyler, who's a great quarterback, and he's going to be have that higher t- target share. We got, we got to move Ertz over Noah Fant, Dwayne. I can only take so much. Yeah, I don't. And look, like I said, it's a tier. Like, so if you if you want to lean in like to a player that you if you're someone that likes to go with talent, I mean, you're and you like Noah Fant over him, that's fine. But I I'm with you. I mean, I like Ertz. He honestly should be over Dawson Knox too. Um, so I mean, he probably deserves to be like at the bottom of you know the one D tier. He's just you know an older player. But at the same time, like if you're looking at it from a perspective of 2022, like I'm fine. Like if you, even if you wanted to rank him up, you know, ahead of Albert O, like I'm not, I wouldn't argue with anyone about that for Zach Ertz. Like I definitely like him over Gasicki. And I think that is really where the hard line draws for me as far as all the rest of these guys being much more of a. Why is Fank at that nod? Just because of the draft capital and he's young? Well, yeah, and I just, yeah, I still think that he can be an ascending player. But at the same time, like, I I get why you're, you know, against him. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback situation. It could be one of the worst offenses in the league. 
He's probably going to be the third target on his team, you know, which basically makes him sound like Irv Smith, right? Are we so what's sure, the difference, but what's the difference sure between Fan Noah and Fan, Irv Smith? Are we sure Noah Fan is the Seahawks starting tight end? I'm not kidding. Oh yeah, come on. Yeah, I, I'm not. Look, it is it, it is Seattle. So I mean, look, I'm not. Will Disley here. Twenty four million. That's what Uzoma's getting. That's what Logan Thomas is getting. Yeah, that's what I know. Oh my god, it's so stupid. It's sad. It's it sad. is sad. It's sad. Uh, I just want to. I don't. I can't anything. defend any. I can't defend anything the Seahawks do, man. You know this. Like, yes, yeah, so, so get so Noah Fan. Get Noah Fan out of that tier. That's what you need. <laughs> After the top fourteen, we got another tier: Mike Desicki, Irv Smith, Logan Thomas, Cole Komet. I do have Irv at the top of this group. I've been on record stating that I do believe Irv is going to be the late round tight end of twenty twenty two. But this whole group, man, you can see it. I think Mike Tosicki is the problem. He's the one that we're seeing being pigeonholed in as a top 12 tight end. There's only one ball to go around in Miami, Dwayne. And yeah, they franchise tagged him, but that franchise tag is $10 million less than the wide receiver tag. I don't think it's any guarantee that he's necessarily going to be this feature part of the offense. Who's going to be a number one target? Tyreek Hill. The number two, Jalen Waddle. After that, man... Maybe Devontae Parker's traded. Maybe he's not. Cedric Wilson just signed a contract for $22 million to be a part of the Dolphins. We have Chase Edmonds, who just signed a big deal to come in. He's a pass catcher. Mike Tosicki could be like the number five pass game option. We don't even know if he's going to be playing a full-time role because Durham Smythe, who is their actual inline tight end, is back, and he's an actual blocker, unlike Mike Tosicki. We don't know how McDaniel is going to use him. There are so many question marks with him. And let's face it, like he's had opportunities over the past two years being used as a big slot receiver, not really having to block, not being in an offense with much competition. And what was the ceiling for that? Like a low-end tight end one. Let's not buy him at the best-case ceiling that no longer even exists. Yeah, I'm totally with you on Gasicki. Like again, like I think he's fine. Like if somebody wants to take a stab, like he's in the he's he's somebody you can take a stab on, but at the same time, like his his path to being on the field, there's just a lot of challenges this year. Um, you got multiple guys that play slot and move around, um, and so I just I do feel like he's going to be the odd guy out, just like you mentioned. You got Waddle, you've got Tyreek Hill. I just don't see a path for Gasicki to be honestly like. What would you put his ceiling at for his target share this season? Eighteen. I would put his target. I, I think his ceiling is probably like 15 percent. Like this guy hasn't been able to earn you know, a, a really good target share with lesser players than Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. How's he supposed to do it now? I just, I struggle to, to really, you know, come to a conclusion, you know, where I can jump to that and say, oh yeah, yeah, he's still going to get 18, 19%. I think a lot of people think it because they're like, oh, it's the Shanahan style offense. You use a lot of play action, get the mismatches. And those things are true, but we talked about this, like just how often is he going to be on the field for those things? You know, because I don't think he's going to be out there when they're running 21 personnel, which is when you're under center and you're going really heavy play action. I don't, I don't think Gasicki's on the field whenever they're doing that. That's probably going to be, you know, Durham Smythe, like you're talking about. You'll have Alec Ingold in at fullback. So I think that's going to be problematic, you know, for Gasicki. I think we could argue dropping him. There are five spots potentially, man. He's just kind of still going in front of guys that are going to probably be out there more snaps than not. Herb Smith now with Kevin O'Connell. You know, we didn't see Tyler Higby ever really leave the field with the Rams. You can imagine what Herb Smith, who will be only 24 by the time week one comes along, finally putting it together. Logan Thomas, as Dwayne and I usually, you know, 
half laughed, half cried about like during the season. The weirdest, you know, tight end room in the league uh, resides in Washington. No matter who was there, they're going to step in, play 100% of the snaps, whether it's Logan Thomas, you know, converted wide receiver Ricky Seals-Jones, even whoever the hell John Bates is. They're going to go out there. They're going to play every single snap. We need to monitor the Logan Thomas recovery from ACL. But man, like if he goes out there week one, plays every snap, catches a touchdown, finishes as a top, you know, eight option at the position, that should surprise absolutely no one. And behind Logan Thomas. This is the one that's interesting. I, I am, hand up, Dwayne. I, I've made fun of a lot of your ranks here. I am too low on Cole Komet. So I'll take the L on this one. I think I need to put him up at least uh, closer to where you have him at tight end 18. I have him tight end 23. Because I was going through uh, kind of the projected pecking orders uh, post-free agency. I'll have the article out on pff.com at some point next week. Cole Komet could be the Bears' number two pass game option. It, it could happen, and there's probably only like five or six tight ends in the league that even have that in their potential range of outcomes. Yeah, I mean, look, we would like to have seen Cole Komet do even more by this point, but he will only be in his third season. He's going to be 24 years old. Um, I still think there's plenty to like. Um, does that mean that he can earn 25% of the targets? No, but could he get to like 18, 20% target share? I think that's possible for Cole Komet. I mean, he has taken steps forward each one of his seasons, so I think that that's a positive thing. Like, when you look at him versus someone like David Njoku, who really has had a much longer leash to do his thing and hasn't been able to do it. And again, not not saying that, you know, Njoku couldn't have a nice season too, but I think with Komet, you know, you still got the fact that he is a young player. Um, and we know that it takes tight ends longer to get going. So actually he's on a pretty good trajectory for being a tight end. Like even in the cases of like Travis Kelsey, like there's very few tight ends that just like storm onto the scene like Gronk did, you know, as a rookie. It's it's pretty rare for it to happen. And that's what also does make, you know, what we did, what happened with Pitts really nice. And I know Ian, you know, he lines up at receiver, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, we get to play him as a tight end. And so it's still pretty rare that we see that happen. So Komet could still take another step forward this year. That's how you have to look at a lot of these younger tight ends. Like they could all take a step forward. Um, it takes them longer to really boom than it does at the other positions. Next here, we got David Njoku on the top. You know, someone that we've, I think, already talked enough plenty because of everything going on in free agency. He actually had his bad uh, April Fool's joke today telling everyone that he wants to be traded. Like, David, but you've said that, like, unironically three or four times over the years, man. Maybe <laughs> maybe don't bring up, like, all those bad vibes that you uh, – I'm, I'm not saying – and hey – it's Cleveland, man. I'm not saying he shouldn't have requested a trade, but you know maybe when the organization does finally commit to you and they're talking about a long-term deal, you don't bring up the same thing that you like. We're actually seriously bringing up uh, several years, but what the hell do I know? Keep making your money, uh, David Njoku. The question is, how involved is Harrison Bryant going to be? It, it, Dwayne, Harrison Bryant could have more targets than David Njoku. I think they're going to be pretty split in terms of snaps and routes. Maybe Njoku plays more overall because I believe he's the better blocker of the two. And then there's also a chance that we see another tight end added to the group because they really haven't done anything to replace Austin Hooper. So yeah, everything's looking good for David uh, Njoku, but he shouldn't be receiving like this 10 spot jump just because Deshaun Watson's in town, just because Austin Hooper left. He's a fine dart throw and talented guy. I really do think if he was a full-time tight end uh, for Deshaun Watson, he has double digit touchdown upside the problem is we're not getting almost certainly not getting a full season's worth of Deshaun Watson and unfortunately because of Harrison Bryant maybe not for David Njoku as well yeah I mean with Njoku we saw the year before last 
whatever it was just he and Harrison Bryant for multiple games together. You had Austin Hooper out, and it was actually Harrison Bryant that led them in routes. Now, last year you had one game that did not have Austin Hooper where those two played together, and it was David Njoku who led the team in routes. So we're dealing with really small samples, but the bottom line is we've seen Stefanski historically be willing to rotate tight ends, and it doesn't just go to his time at Cleveland. You know, it dates back to the time whenever he was you know working with Gary Kubiak, um, in Minnesota, did some similar things there. So it's just there's just a, an overall trend that is in play. And it's also, you know, Harrison Bryant, you know, I think he was a third round pick, if I'm remembering correctly. And I don't have like my draft pick stuff Maybe pulled up in front fourth, of me. But he, he was a, uh, well, uh, how, how's Evan put it? Uh, and, and he was an, I'm effing Mackey, right? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. I want, I want to say he was a third round pick, but it might have been a fourth. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on Njoku. I do like the upside. Like the thing Njoku does. Good. Okay, so the thing with Njoku, 1.56 yards per route run. That's pretty good, you know, for a tight end. But targets per route run, 17%. That's average to below average. Um, could he be the number two? And this is the thing you have to be careful of, like when we're projecting. And it also goes into some of the arguments, you know, that we're having. Is I think when you get to a certain, like when we get to some of these certain tiers and we're trying to, you know, we're looking at pecking orders and we're looking at all these things, I think, and that's why I create the tiers the way I do. Like you're kind of coming down to a decision. Are you wanting to buy into a player's profile or are you wanting to buy into us trying to project him, you know, into a role? Because really a lot of times these projections don't work, right? We want to give these guys more, more room to work with because there are more targets available in their offense, but it just doesn't come to fruition. And that's my big concern with a lot of the players that, Honestly, from here on down the list, like, you know, even the guys that are coming into these situations where we think like Evan Ingram and some of these others, where all of a sudden there could be all these uh, Ricky Sills Jones, where there could be all these available targets. At the end of the day, like the player still has to be good enough to demand the targets. And unfortunately for David Njoku, like he's been below average his whole career in that way. So it's not like Deshaun Watson can immediately change that for him. Deshaun Watson can make the targets he gets worth more, undoubtedly, like. David Njoku, that's where his bump comes from, is the fact that if he's catching passes from Deshaun Watson, how much is a target from Deshaun Watson worth versus one from Baker? I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I know I know that the overall answer is more. Like, it's going to be worth more. Yeah. And so that's what he's picking up. I think out of the guys that are ranked 20th or lower, there's two of them that kind of stand out to me. Because you're right, we can jump through some hoops here and try to talk about the situation being okay. But ultimately, I think there's enough red flags to probably fade the majority of these guys. With that said, Tyler Higby, Dwayne, someone that I know pissed you off a lot last year because he was basically the one screaming red, not a red flag, but the one screaming exception to playing as much as we want elite tight ends to play, but then not really putting up the corresponding numbers. But we did see him play everything that we would have wanted from him. And now we're in an offense where maybe he does finish third in targets behind Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Like, are we maybe just looking too much in the one bad season there? But, like, he had all the underlines. Why couldn't that turn around in 2022? Matthew Stafford throws for 40 touchdowns. Maybe this time 10 of them go to Higby. Yeah, I think it's totally possible. I mean, and again, this is a lot of these tight ends, like, it really does just come down to tears for me. Um, but I think you can put him in that range. You know, I think you could say, you know, similar things about a few other players. But, yeah, I mean, the, the beauty for Higby is he finally did from a routes per dropback standpoint. He got over the 80% mark, which is really what we want to see. Um, you know, and so now if they don't bring Beckham back, um, and it really is just Allen Robinson, 
and you know Van Jefferson running streak routes, and then we obviously know Cooper Cup's the number one, then yeah, there could be a little bit more room for Tyler Higby to do more. It's not like the Rams are really like just trying to get their running backs involved too much in the passing game. So I still think there's room for Higby. Like he's a player that I don't mind drafting late. Um, and I could see the argument for, hey, like he should be in tier 2B, not tier 2C, right, where I've got him right now, which I'm, I'll be writing these guys up and they'll go out next Tuesday. Um, so we'll see. Like I, I still have to make some changes. Like as we're sitting here talking, like I've already moved Zach Ertz above uh, Dawson Knox and above Noah Fant. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, now I haven't moved Pat Farmer down, but, you know, I'm going to leave yeah. Pat Farmer there just to piss you off. But, um, but, yeah, I agree with you on Higby. Like, I mean, if, if you get a tight end that can be out there that often, like, that's like the first step in, like, unlocking the potential for the player. And we did see flashes from Higby still. We just never got consistency. Yeah, I'll be moving Higby up uh, to over guys like Jasicki that we just have a lot more concerns about uh, them even being on the field. There are still some guys that will have those concerns. So Hunter Henry, really good talent. But at the same time, like Jonu Smith is the one making just, I think he's actually making a couple million uh, more in those uh, ridiculous deals that they both got. Like it's a two tight end offense. And I think Jonu, I don't think that disparity is going to be as wide between them this year. Mac Jones was willing to spread the ball around. I mean, Jacoby Bourne, Hunter Henry, like, even if he keeps the lead on Jonu Smith, probably isn't going to be more than number three option in this offense. I'm just not so sure that's going to be a situation worth chasing. And Gerald Everett's kind of the same way, man. It's going to be Gerald Everett and Donald Parham each running a lot of routes. I think they're going to essentially cancel each other out. And hell, they might even bring back Steven Anderson, who was working his way into the three tight end committee last year between Jared Cook and Donald Parham. Are you kind of similar thoughts with Henry and Everett? Just too many mouths to feed in the offense and then especially at tight end. Yeah, I think once you get to this level, like especially, I mean, we could talk about this with, with players before, but yeah, there's just so many other mouths to feed. And again, these guys just haven't shown that much, you know, for me to get excited enough to think that they might be able to bump someone else out of the pecking order. Um, like Hunter Henry, I really do like. If it wasn't another tight end that we were dealing with, think if, it, if, if Hunter Henry didn't have to deal with Jonu Smith, who really didn't play a ton, but it was enough to be a nuisance to Henry. Like Henry would probably be in our top 12 if we didn't think he was going to have to rotate yeah. with another tight end. Because it's not in the conversation. Like, yeah, it's not like New England's got like some, you know, dominant receiver that's demanding everything. And so Hunter Henry, like, is actually, you know, a guy that if we weren't dealing with Jonu Smith, we would feel way, way better about. But it's it's just enough that he has these games where he'll only get to be in a route sixty percent of the time. And that's just, you know, that's a killer for tight end. So a lot of the guys like we're into now, um, you know, basically you're just like you're squinting and you're hoping for a, a touchdown. They're not gonna beat out like the other players on their team. We love Gerald Everett, like as an athlete, but I mean, come on, like he's not going to beat out Keenan Allen. He's not going to beat out um, Mike Williams. He could give you spike week potential in a best ball format. I do. I do think Gerald Everett could give you some things, you know, from that perspective, but there's not a ton of upside probably outside of that. If week one happens and Parham's evolved, like devolved to this, like, you know, five snap per game guy and Everett's playing over 90%, completely different situation. Just don't really expect that to be the case. We'll see, though. That's another big uh, reason why we're going to be paying close attention, as we always do, to the preseason first team snaps. I get it. You know, Ramondre Stevenson runs for a 90-yard touchdown against a bunch of future, like, uh, Lowe's employees, you know, in the fourth quarter of a game. No, I don't really care about that play in particular. We do care about trying to figure out the depth charts, trying to figure out the opportunity. Those first team snaps can help tell you that. 
What about Evan Ingram, Dwayne? I'm a little bit higher than you on him. I have him tight end 18. You have him tight end 23. You know, not exactly just going out on a limb there, tight end 18. I get it. Um, I've seen some people just going, oh, my God, Doug Peterson, the tight end whisperer. Like, he's the one that actually made Kelsey and Zach Ertz into good players. Regardless, in Jacksonville, they did give Ingram, you know, about 10 million reasons why he should be a big part of the offense. If Trevor Lawrence makes a decent bump, we are looking at Ingram being in an offense that last year, really the only pass catcher we saw some sort of prolonged uh, okayness, good adjective there, Ian, uh, was Dan Arnold. And I think we can all agree that Evan Ingram is at least an upgrade over um, Dan Arnold. So Ingram, is he, uh, is he getting you getting you going a little bit down here, Dwayne? I mean, I think he's definitely interesting. I mean, because again, it's another guy, former first round pick. Um, you know, he did, he had a great rookie season. Um, and he has done things that a lot of other guys like Dawson Knox have never done. Like his targets per route run 22%, 20%, 20%, 20%. And then last year it dipped down to 15%. You know, he's had some pretty solid yards per route run seasons. Never has really posted a solid receiving grade from a PFF standpoint at a 75.7 in the second season. That was the highest. Last year, though, it was a 54.9. So I don't know what's going on with Evan Ingram, but, I mean, you could make an argument that, look, man, you know, he's really lived under some bad offensive coaching for the last few years. Um, you could probably argue he's had that his whole entire career. Um, so, I, you know, I think there's some potential for him. I do think he could, if he still has the speed and he still has the same athleticism that we saw when he came out of college, um, he could really be a mismatch problem, you know, for uh, linebackers, for safeties, which is really what the Giants envisioned whenever they drafted him. So, yeah. I think, you know, look, every year we see, we know we're having a tough time pinning them down, but every year we see a few of these tight ends from these areas in the draft that can all of a sudden have, you know, a top eight season. So Evan Ingram probably has the tools to be, you know, someone you're at least considering in that range. Um, It's just the downward trajectory and how bad things were last year um, that makes it tough for me to really do, to have him much higher than where we have him right now or where I have him anyway. Right after Ingram, Robert Tunyon back with Green Bay. Obviously suffered, I believe it was a torn ACL, eight games in the last season. Wasn't able to try to improve upon that electric 11 touchdown 2020 season. Probably the easiest like regression candidate we've ever been able to kind of peg down in fantasy football because since targets were created as a metric, and at least since they began being tracked in 1992, Robert Tunyon is the only guy with over 50 targets in this season with more touchdowns and incomplete passes, and he had a plus four ratio on that like it was insane 11 touchdowns seven incomplete targets in 2020 just bonkers efficiency we didn't quite see that in 2021 caught 18 of 29 targets he had two scores uh but ultimately Dwayne we just didn't see Rodgers go out of his way to get him the ball just one of those eight games that he actually have more than five targets hell we only have more than four targets in two of those games yeah Devontae Adams is out of the picture but we've seen this with Rodgers, man. He doesn't really force the ball to just a guy because he's out there on the field. He'll do the opposite and ignore everyone except the one guy that he is confident in. I think Robert Tunyon, hey, he's being priced outside of top 24. If you're in best ball and you already have Rodgers and you want to get him at the end, that's fine. I don't think he's going to be approaching that tight end one conversation again, though, just because Adams is gone. Yeah, you hit the point that I was going to make in best ball. Like, I like him a lot more if I've already got Rodgers on the roster. And then, you know, I can stack him late with a guy like Tanyan. And that's actually like a good rule of thumb for a lot of these late tight ends. Because, look, it's so hard to hit on them anyway. And so this is almost like you can pick up on a concept from DFS, right? You're really, you know, it's it's a position that also doesn't add a ton of value a lot of the time. So, like, if you're going to have one and you're going to say you're going to have two or three on, you're going to have three on your roster in best ball, 
why not make one of them match? You know, even if they're a lower end player, make them match up with your quarterback, right? Or potentially even you could even double. You could do that for both quarterbacks. Um, so, I mean, I, I still would rather have a good tight end, but I really like my second tight end if it's a guy like Tanya and being matched up with the starting quarterback, especially in best ball. And there's more situations to do that down the road. We're now in your tier three. I mean, look, none of these guys are ever going to be confused as a realistic target in your typical, you know, redraft one tight end leagues. You can, maybe after, you might need a good six to eight drinks to wrap your mind around, you know, some of these guys' best case scenarios, but they are out there. Ricky Seals-Jones is the sort of receiving first, you know, tight end that we do like to target in fantasy land. I just don't think he's getting that role with the Giants. Washington gave him 100% snaps because Washington gives every tight end 100% snaps. Uh, he did go to the Giants reportedly because he thought he could have a bigger role there. We'll see if they continue to not add any other competition at the position. But honestly, like they could bring back someone like Caden Smith, who I think is still an unrestricted free agent. He could easily split things down the middle because he's an actual blocker and completely ruin RSJ. Austin Hooper. Hey, like we saw him put up the big gear in Atlanta. Now in Cleveland, he wasn't bad. They were just continuously rotating him, Harrison Bryant, and David Njoku. So he never quite had the targets to put anything big together. The problem is Tennessee is famous for doing the exact same thing with their tight ends. Now Anthony Ferkser and Michael Pruitt are still free agents. Only Jeff Swain's been re-signed so far. But yeah, I just, you know... The Girl Scouts walking up those steps. I don't think Austin Hooper is going to be having an every down role in Tennessee. CJ Uzama with the Jets could have been a late round target if they didn't also give Tyler Conklin almost $20 million. What the hell was that? What, what yeah. are you doing, Jets? They're giving well, CJ Uzoma and Tyler Conklin like $40 million combined? Well, I think it's just like going back to where, you know, the, the Jets know they want to have more heavy personnel and they just didn't have the people to do it last year. So. We were anticipating, look, they're either going to sign a fullback or they're going to bring in additional tight ends. And so they chose to go with tight ends, probably just based on what the market was, you know, what the market could provide. But to your point, you know, you've said this multiple times, you know, when you have two tight ends on the same team in fantasy that both get playing times, you have no tight ends, you know, for your fantasy football team. So it's going to be a challenge. The guy that I look at in this tier that I know I've got to moved up, and I think I even mentioned it like the last time we, we for some reason, we're talking about tight ends, but... It's Mo Ali Cox, like yeah. because he has flash. Like he he has a rookie. Um, now again, these are very limited routes. So in his rookie season, he only ran fifty four routes. So you can't get like nuts about this. But yards per route run two point four six, targets per route run 0.24, PFF receiving gate grade of seventy eight. Two thousand seventeen, he saw eighty six routes. So just a few more, but still like not enough to feel super confident confident about. But he went down one point eight um, yards per route run. 0.13 targets per route run. But then the next year, 2020, he played 15 games, 190 routes, and we saw that flash again, 2.07 yards per route run, 19% targets per route run, and again, a PFF receiving grade of 76.6. And then last year, he dipped back off again. He had the most routes of his career, 247 yards per route run, 1.28 um, targets per route run, 17%, and his PFF grade, 59.4. So, what do we get next season, Ian? He should be back. He's going to have more routes, and he's due. He's due to, like, go back to having a good year. He's an every-other-year guy. But in all seriousness, like, look, he's at least flashed. I can I could pull this up, like, as a list, and we could show, like, what I'm looking at, like, to all the viewers. And, like, we can pull up almost all these guys. Most of them have never had seasons, you know, that did anything like this um, with Mo Cox. Again, some very limited samples there on, on, on two of those seasons. But at least he's flashed it. 
and, and we know that he's got a better path to seeing more uh, routes this season, being on the field more with Jack Doyle retiring. We also know that really, like, it's wide open behind Michael Pittman. So I like that about Mo Alley-Cox, and I think I'll probably end up moving him probably close to where you've got him, somewhere around 21, like early 20s, early 20s for sure. My tight end 21. Dwayne's tight end 30. Good on you for getting ahead of me, just slandering you about that. You just, you know, you fixed it yourself, so now I don't have to say anything. <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, Hayden Hurst is now the presumably Bengals starting tight end. I don't know, and honestly, like, C.J. Uzama last year with the touchdowns, and he had, like, the two spike weeks. He finished as, I think, the tight end 19. And, like, it wasn't any better on a per-game basis. That's like Hayden Hurst's ceiling, in my opinion. He's going to work behind Chase. Higgins, Boyd, prop, and potentially mixing it. Maybe another running back. I don't know. Best case as number four option. I think Drew Sample could honestly just make this more of a two tight end committee uh, to begin with. Brevin Jordan's an interesting one. We just have no idea. The guy's still only 22 years old. We have. It's so unclear if he's even you know ready to play a full time role in the offense. Last year the Texans were nauseatingly like using three to four tight ends on a weekly basis. Um, I see the upside if you want to take him like late in the dynasty and just hope that again you know another one of these Miami Hurricane tight ends just isn't incredibly misused throughout their young and promising career. CC Chris Herndon. Um, I do. I do think maybe there could be. Some some future upside there but you know ultimately brevin jordan might be a year away from being a year away um in the late round tight end pool any other thoughts on the rest of the group group Dwayne? and we got trey mcbride as a rookie but since 2010 we've had gronk arguably the best tight end ever evan ingram he needed an obj broken ankle and then last year kyle pitts borderline wide receiver those are our only top 12 rookie tight ends i don't you know all maybe maybe mcbride is that good i'm not i'm not really sure to be honest with you it's just unlikely he gets a role to even have the volume to be in that conversation yeah i mean i think we'll have to see where he lands you know he is really more of a pure receiving tight end you know so you probably want him to land somewhere where there's going to be plenty of available slot you know routes a guy that can come in and play inside like that right out of the gate. Um, and if that happens, then I think you can make an argument with some of these other guys that we've talked about where we really just kind of like, okay, like, why are we talking about these guys? Like, why not? You take a shot on a guy like Trey McBride above those players. Um, but to your point, like, it's really tough for the rookie tight ends um, to, to break out. So we'll see where he lands. We'll see what kind of draft capital he gets, and then we'll, we'll figure out where we need to slot him in. I think that's going to wrap up the tight end discussion. It is deep this year, and I can really, you know, get behind the light end late round scene more than ever. Probably famous last words. Uh, we tend to say this every year, but damn it, Dwayne, maybe in 2022, it is truly different. Uh, the one point you made, though, about uh, Tunyon with Rodgers, man, that it, it is kind of a great opportunity with um, stacking these guys late. Uh, I did a uh, underdog draft with Hayden Winks and John Daigle over in the 4 for 4 stream last night, and we like. It was Daigle's stupid idea, but we purposely... I've got John Daigle texting me right now. Like, what a... <laughs> what a freaking two-for-now. Um, so, our, our, our idea was like, all right, it's super flex. So, we decided not to take... Uh, we decided to go, like, late-round QB. Like, knowing yeah. it wasn't going to be ideal, but we wanted to see what it could look like. And so, I think we ended up with... Uh, Tannehill was one of them, and we had A.J. Brown early. And then we were able to get Austin Hooper um, bringing it back. I think um, Evan Ingram was one you can get with Trevor Lawrence. You know, Ricky Seals-Jones uh, with Daniel Jones. I mean, even – I mean, you're not getting Joe Burrow that early. Brevin Jordan with Davis Mills, Moali Cox and Matt Ryan. There are a lot of opportunities with these late ones. So um, it's one of those things, Dwayne, where – 
I think the tier, I think to your point, the tiers are really important because there is, there are scenarios for these guys to boom, particularly if you don't need to, you know, take the redraft chance. Cause yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, we can, we'll probably be able to X off after week one and we finally see their actual role. But in best ball land, you know, we can still see those spike touchdown weeks. And we have, you know, in the year 2022, I think a lot more receiving friendly tight ends than maybe the league has really seen before. Yeah. And I think like a different way we would think about it, like, you know, I don't know how we're qualifying, you know, where we're saying late round tight end starts. You know, we didn't necessarily do that. But like, I think for me, it's more about the uncertainty up top and really more of the guys right there in the middle that I feel pretty good about. So I feel like if we were to label these players like as floor and ceiling, like Zach Ertz gives you a great floor option that you could come back to later if you just if you just don't want to spend the capital on say you know a Kittle, right? Yeah. And so you could you could and you just know you want something secure, you could come back you know to Zach Ertz. But if you really know that you're looking for more upside and you want a guy that you feel like well like if everything broke right maybe they could challenge a Kittle or a Waller or maybe just slide in right beneath them. I think that's where you know Albert O comes in. You know, if you look at a lot of these guys, though, down the list, like um, if you're not playing best ball, it gets, I think it's better for best ball, too, because you can mix them and you just need one of them to hit, you know, in a given week. But man, like, can you imagine? Like, I don't want to be trying to pick, like, between Hunter Henry and Gerald. My dogs, like, really hate it. Hunter Henry, Gerald Everett, Evan Ingram, Robert Tony, no, no. Ricky Silsgen. Like, trying to decide between those guys every week would be an absolute, you know, nightmare. I'm trying to look at it and see, like, where do I think the absolute line is for me? I think, like, round like, 10-ish. Like, well, I'm looking, like, at the players on the list. Like, where's the absolute line Ur- of what? Ertz is, at well, pick would... one, Ertz is at pick 124, so we can get him, like, round 10. That's kind of – after that, it's, like, Cole Komet, Tyler Higby. I'd be okay with Ertz as my tight end one. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if I had to, I could go with Dawson Knox as my tight end one. Um, as much as I've, you know, I think he's a very low end tight end one, but I would feel comfortable rolling him out there because the Bills do pass so much. But, like, once you get past that, like, I mean, I will say, like, Noah Fant scares me. Gusecki scares me. I like Irv Smith, but we still don't know. Logan Thomas, we've got injury concerns. Um, you know, that could be one that we get higher on as the season goes. Um, or as the offseason goes, I think Cole Komet, you know, also positive. But man, none of these names do I really feel like I would want to be starting. Like, I, I kind of feel like Dawson Knox is the last name. So I've got, you know, I've got 13 guys on my list highlighted. Like, you, you want either Kelsey Andrews, Pitts, Waller, Kittle, Hawkinson, Goddard, Schultz, Gronk, Alberto, Pat Fryermuth, Zach Ertz, or Dawson Knox. And then, like, after that, like, is there a name below those that you would feel comfortable, like if you had to, being your starting tight end every week? I think Irv or Higby. Yeah, I think those would be the next. I, I think Irv over Higby for me, um, just because I feel like yeah. Irv still has that upside to show us more. Um, so I think he's definitely in the upside, you know, category. But if you so like, okay, I want to be careful about saying, oh, this year's, you know, this year's player X from last year, like this year's Cooper Cup. Okay, so this year's best wide receiver to ever play a fantasy season, like that's the, <laughs> that's the expectation we have here. So, but this year's Dawson Knox, purely from the standpoint of a guy that's not getting any real high level respect in the preseason, but week one comes around, he's a starting tight end one in a really good passing game. I think that's where Irvin Higby can come in because these guys do project 
as the starters right now. Now we need to find out if that's, I think Higby's case, it probably should be. I mean, I'm confident he's going to be a 90% plus snap guy. Or if we still need to see that a little bit, but it's trending that way. We know they can catch the ball. We know the offense is legit. And they could be the number three. They might even have higher target ceilings than what Dawson had uh, last year. Now, yeah, I'd take Josh Allen over Kirk Cousins and uh, Matthew Stafford, but it's still, uh, you know, they're not, they're not that far off in terms of real-life passing ability. Yeah. No, I like the call on Higby and Irv Smith. Like, so this is definitely the list that I worked through the least, like coming into our time today. So it's, it's definitely still needs the most work. Um, and I haven't even really honestly studied ADP too much either. So like, I haven't looked to see like, where are we, um, well ahead of ADP or where, where are we behind it? But we'll talk about it more like as we go forward, but I definitely have got to tighten up like the bottom end of the ranks. We've probably gone through 120 to 150 players over the last four days. It is April 1st, and we got a lot more to do over these next five months. Dwayne, it's been a nice little marathon here. I've enjoyed it, though. I feel ready to now really embrace the best ball grind, get into some more strategy stuff uh, moving forward. Tentative schedule podcast wise now moving into April. Um, you know, we were talking about it a little bit before, but probably going to go to three episodes per week, one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. Maybe we'll do some more. I don't know. And then also the uh, best ball streams on Wednesday that will also convert uh, to a podcast. But yeah, I want to make those more interactive with you guys as well. Always love hearing from you. Uh, so, you know, I'll post those YouTube links when we start usually around 5 p.m. Bring a drink or three and uh, we'll have a grand old time. So anything you have to add to that or want to get off your chest before we get out here Dwayne no man I'm, I'm just excited like we're about to start drafting we take a lot of this stuff we've been talking about and we're going to start you know really applying it you know and and talking more about the strategy and you've mentioned it before like the more you draft the sharper like you get and the more yeah. that you really test your convictions and that's where we're really going to know how we feel about our tight end ranks when we're on the clock and like we really need one and we're like wow we're staring at you know whatever, three or four of these names that we think all should be in a tier together. And we don't like any of them. <laughs> We're like, we don't want to take them. And that'll be the point where, you know, we know that we've got to go back and we got to relook at everything and, and determine like, is it something where, you know, our gut and intuition is right and we shouldn't have these players ranked this high? Or is it really something where, you know, maybe where we've got them ranked is right and we just need to get more comfortable with, you know, clicking on their name in a draft. And then I think the other really cool part is how all this, you know, comes together because right now, so far, all we've talked about really are players by tiers by position. Yeah. Everything changes when you talk about bringing all the players together and figuring out how are you going to use that and deploy that, you know, to have a strong draft strategy. So those are my favorite things to do. Um, that's the stuff I get the most excited about. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to doing those. We will be doing all that. Yeah. I mean, look, even if you're not going to be someone that's, uh, you know, willing to put a bunch of uh, dollars in the best ball, I know it is annoying having your money, you know, tied up in there for, you know, potentially six months uh, plus of time. With that said, I do think even if you just want to do a couple of contests for fun, you can do like $1, even like $5 um, contest entries. It's not going to break your bank account. And I think if you just want a good landscape poll, you want to kind of see where guys are going so much better than those mock drafts that you can, you know, pick up on ESPN, Yahoo yeah. or wherever, where most people are just kind of not even doing it after the first round or two anyway. So actually having to have a little bit of money, even five bucks uh, is going to be a much sharper pool. And what I will say is I, you know, I'm typically a draft late, like proponent. Like if I had to pick, I want to draft late. And I, there's multiple reasons for that, you know, and I've, I've actually written some stuff on, I won't go into it all now, but man, I will tell you like this year, this, this is the year, this is the first year 
where I've really felt super strongly about so many different players this early that I think their ADPs are going to move up. Like, and again, every year is a little different. We can't just throw blanket statements over these things. We do research, but things change, you know? So when I'm looking at this year, like James Conner, you know, again, according to Fantasy Mojo, going 5.1. Really? James Conner's still a fifth-round pick. Leonard Fournette's still a fourth-round pick. Those things alone are enough, to your point, even if you don't want to go draft like 50 teams, it might be worth just drafting one or two and going in with God, a very specific yeah. strategy of saying, you know what, I'm going to make sure I get James Conner. You know, I'm going to take him in the late fourth. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and take James Conner because I know, you know his ADP is going to move up. I'm going to take Leonard Fournette in the late third. And I'm just going to surround all those other picks in those first eight rounds with receivers and tight ends. Like, you could do that. Like, you could easily go in, and you won't be able to do that by the time, you know, we get to September. So I think there is a there are some things that are presenting edges right now, um, more so than what we've historically seen with some of these players. Gronk being another great one, to your point. You know, he's starting to move up in ADP, but you can still get him late relative, you know, to a lot of these other tight ends. So I think there are definitely edges. We've talked about the rookies. You can still get Kenneth Walker in the seventh or eighth round. Dude, you could go into a draft and make a plan around six or seven running back names right now that are all going too late. And really, every and that's all you got to do. But you just need that list of like eight guys, and you know you're going to draft five of them. Like, and you're done. And and then you're going to build all of your team around that running back value. And again, like that won't be here whenever we're drafting in September. So if you do draft now, make sure you do it in a way that like you're being intentional. That I'm going to do things right now that I can't do later if I wait. And those are the conversations I'm really looking forward to having more of in this month. Again, I think we got a really good, you know, player level view of all these guys. Got some, you know, ranking discrepancies figured out, tightening up the tiers and all that. But now, like applying it to the drafts and knowing where the values are, that's going to allow us to change our strategy appropriately and hopefully just freaking kill it, make money, coming first, get to make fun of all of our friends, all the stuff that comes with winning fantasy football glory. Always our goal here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody.